Welcome back. Oh, man. Another episode of the Fieldcraft Survival Podcast with me, Raul, your host. And today I'll be talking with Brad Hart, Hart Leather Co., uh, an awesome leather craftsman, cool dude, great story, uh, super informative. And the the show alone is going to be very educational. You're going to learn about leather and history and all things cool that have to do with a living organism that then became a part of what you wear every day. Crazy cool. Uh, tune into to the rest of the episode and, and you will definitely not regret learning about leather um, if you're into that kind of stuff. I know I am and hence the whole podcast. Um, not only that, but cool stories about me, him and overall product stuff. So talking about products, let's let's talk about Triarch Systems. Awesome, awesome company. I, I'm still running their, their guns. I can't, <laughs> almost every podcast I talk about how great their guns are. Uh, and it's one of those things that it, it's true and it's legit. And I don't hype a lot of products up. You guys know that you guys see what I put out, uh, maybe one or two guns. And I carried my, my stock 17 forever and finally started working with these guns with Triarch. And it's just, it's good quality stuff that the folks there stand behind all their, all their, um, builds. And then their customer service is really great. Uh, I went into the shop. I had some springs that were a little loose that just from wear and tear, you know, the normal stuff. The guys put it on the blocks and they started working it, cleaned it all out, got it ready to roll again. And bam, I'm back on the road. Uh, That's some serious customer service. So if you want a good product that's going to last a long time, not necessarily uh, something you should abuse, but take care of it, but use it. I mean, that's what this stuff is for, right? That's what these guns are for. Use them, shoot as much as you can out of them. Uh, I know times are are hard on the ammo thing, but if you were prepared like you should have been, you have plenty of ammo and you're still training and nothing's changed for you because that's what we do and we stay prepared. Um, So yeah, if if you don't have one of the the Triarch pistols or one of the Triarch carbines, get in line. Uh, A lot of people are waiting for them. I know some of the team has one and it's just one of those companies that we are super proud to be working with. Uh, So yeah, Triarch Systems, uh, drop code Fieldcraft, save uh, save a good little bit. I know uh, we push that out there a lot, and a lot of people give us good feedback about the product. So we're happy to we're happy to push them, and we're happy that they provide us with great equipment. So it's one of those uh, working relationships, as they say. So it's nice to have those. It's super appreciative of the people that that help us do what we do, and then we try to help them do what they do. Uh, another company that I really enjoy working with. Tenacore, Tenacore's holsters are, are, are badass. Once I started rocking those, that's kind of the, the path that I went down. Uh, the Certum 3 is one of my favorites. It's just easy to carry. I can carry it in multiple positions. The Velo is also good. Um, there's just <laughs> there's just good products. Um, so if, you, if you're in, lo- in search of a good holster that's going to last almost forever unless you try to break it, which you can break anything, right? It's one of those things like, oh, uh, can I break it? And dude, if you really wanted to, you could break anything. So it's not about breaking it. It's not about breaking stuff. It's about working with them and within normal tear, within a little bit of grappling, within all the, the basic stuff. If you can make it survive that, you're doing good. So Tentacore holsters, rock on great products and yeah, get you one. Uh, you think you 
drop code Raul there and save a little bit as well. That's R-A-U-L. So, yeah, get on that. Uh, lastly, I'll just drop, uh, since we're going to be talking to him anyway, why not talk about his products, uh, Heart Leather Co. Those guys, or him and his family and the little crew that he has, very small community that he has going on for his products, and he's just putting out what he wants. Uh, he tells us a few stories where bigger companies wanted to do some stuff with him, but it was going to ruin the quality of the uh, of the uh, the products that he was putting out to his existing clients. So he turned it down to keep his existence, his existing clients happy, which I thought was super cool. Uh, he's super invested in it, in his material and how he puts things out. He handpicks things. He hand cuts all the pieces of leather that go uh, onto the hats or into into the belt making. So I think that's really cool. I like when people craft things and I can see them. And then there's just this tangible proof that stuff is awesome because one human made it. All the products on the belts are 100% made in America from American sources. So I'm all about that. Uh, for those for for Brad's hearts you, or for Brad Hart, you can drop uh, code Raul as well, R A U L, and save a little bit there. The EDC belt is the belt I wear every day, no matter what. It's just a comfortable belt. I have it in a few colors, great product. The Warrior belt's a little more stiff. It's the one you would wear if you were going to the range, mm, range day stuff. And then there's a midline belt. We're figuring out the name of it and it's gonna become that perfect in-between belt. So stay tuned for that. All right, let's get into this podcast. Hey guys, welcome back to the Fieldcraft Survival Podcast. Today I'm your host, Raul, and with me, Brad Hart. Not hearts. <laughs> I got yelled at earlier, and so I wanted to make sure the introduction was done properly. Brad? Thank you for having me. This is awesome. Dude, uh, I know when we started just chatting about doing this, I was like, this is going to go into places that are just super sick. Like the conversation we had one time when I was driving to the airport uh, and you're like, yeah, dude, leather this and brains and fuck. I was like, I need to know more. Uh, but I want you to tell that because you tell it way better than I do. Rabbit holes. So, you know, it's like I, I started to go down a rabbit hole while you're on a freeway. Yeah. And it wasn't safe. So well, I was just driving into it. Like I'm, I'm going wherever he's taking me. <laughs> so all things, all things leather. Um, you like leather belts. You like Man. leather boots. Yes. Looks good on you. It does. You it's because I'm Mexican. My brown skin complements the leather. And beards complement oh. leather. Oh, I should have thought of that. That's and mustaches. I, yeah, I grew a beard because it's just, it's a little bit better. <laughs> you thought it would sell more leather. It didn't work. Damn it. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe. <laughs> So these rabbit holes, I, I, let's just get into that one because that one is probably one of my, like I tell that story in classes um, about the leather and how each brain cured each piece of hide for that time and how it, that switched into an actual veggie hide and then there's the chemical stuff. Yeah. Uh, tell, us, tell us that story. So it kind of depends um, where you start with this leather journey. I mean, you can go back to Egypt and the Jesus. Mesopotamians, and I've researched, you know, all these different techniques. Like yeah. I said, that rabbit hole's deep. Damn. But um, to keep it simple, we'll stay in the, uh, you know, we'll stay in the Americas. So if let's we just say go, within like the the last <laughs> three hundred years. Okay. So <laughs> if we just keep it like, um, you know, with the Indians and uh, indigenous uh, people, what trips me out is 
all over the world, indigenous people figured out how to tan hides the same way. And they all did it all the way back as long as men could date it back. So um, the old the old ways, and there are some trappers and you know purists that still do it this way, but it's a lot of work. But every animal has enough chemical in its brain to tan its own hide. So what that means is, is there's a chemical in your brain. I think it's um, polyphenol, hmm. which is like a protein acid, and it's called a tannic acid, and it goes around the outside of your brain, and it protects your brain tissue. Nice. So that tannic acid will penetrate the hide, and it cures it and preserves it and keeps it from rotting. But that only makes it soft, um, right? It makes it soft, but it also cures it. Okay. So um, I'm trying to think of a good example as far as like when you cure something, you know how you salt? Yeah. So salting a hide, they actually do that before the brain process. <clears throat> so what they would do is they get the hide, they'd salt it, dry it out, and that would kill bacteria. Mm. Then they'd put the hide in a bucket with ash. Ash and natural human fats mm. turn into lye. Mm -hmm. The lye then eats the hair off of the hide, oh. okay? Then after they take the hair off the hide, they stretch it out, let it dry. Then they take the brains and they can either make like a soup out of the brains or they can make a paste. But it's that, it's that tannic acid that's in every brain that can tan its own hide. So they mash it through the fibers of the, of the leather. Mm. And that's a lot of work, but they mash and mash and mash and mash and mash. And then, you know, after lots of mashing and <laughs> twisting and all this stuff, so then, like that's a process, right? They're like ringing and yeah. like, like hitting it, hitting like like sticks into it. Or what would they? What would be the process? Usually, uh, what they do is they that. they stretch it out, and if you rolled one side around a stick, yeah, and the other side around a stick, and you twist it opposite ways, uh, it's like ringing out like your t-shirt. Yeah. So when you ring it out, they put the brain in there, ring it out, put more brain in there, ring it out, and they just keep working it, and until they achieve. Perfection. How long does that take? Or how long did it take back then? Um, the the brain process probably took about three weeks, but there was a lot of intense labor. Shit. Now, when um, the Europeans came over to this continent, they had already figured out that these to this tannic acid exists in plants, plant matter. Okay. So they were able, like in Europe, they were setting up tanneries. So the word tannery came from tanning, which came from tannic acid, yeah. right? So these, these tannins, <laughs> these polyphenols that are in these trees, they can now mass produce, you know, they get a big pit and they could do several hides at once. And then they would let it soak in there. And that's where the term veggie tan leather came from. So veggie tan leather, is cured in a way that preserves the leather and it protects it. Hmm. So when you find like an old saddle that's 200 years old, yeah. it can still be intact. Because sure. that was done a natural way that just has worked. So now fast forward to modern times, they speed up the process by using, it's called chroming. Hmm. And that's a 
toxic chemical, but they can tan a hide in like, in like three days. Oh shit, that's a lot faster than three weeks. But the problem <laughs> is, is the second it's done being tanned, it starts to, te- to deteriorate immediately. So that's like when you go to Nordstrom's and you get your belt, you know, two or three years later, it starts cracking. Well, as soon as you sweat into it, there it you starts go. cracking or it gets a little bit of a, a raindrop because you went outside <laughs> and it starts to crack. I have lots of those uh, Calvin Klein crack belts. <laughs> so that's a lot of, I know that's a lot of info to try to absorb. And there's, and there's a lot of different, um, different things you can learn. And vegetan leather tends to have a pinkish, pinkish, orangish hue to it. Mm. And I know you kind of, we've talked about this in yeah. the past with going to like a gray tone. Yeah. Well, those polyphenols, the tannings, the tannic acid is reddish in color. Oh, so that's why the colors are that. That's way. why that color is that way, and it, it's, oh, can't that's really get the around that. Natural way. Yeah. Damn. Damn. So, so veggie tanning versus uh, what's the other way called? Brain tanning. I don't know. Brain braining. Braining. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, uh, so <laughs> with with the transition into veggie tanning, mm-hmm. they didn't need the brain anymore. Right. Right. So then it's like one less product, one less product and they can do multiple hides. You know, they could get a big vat of this solution from the trees. Like I think cedar spruce. I mean, there's a big list of trees that carry those tannins, but you can make a big vat. So now you're kind of like industry starts. You can mass produce clothing for your community. Yeah. Um, that's primarily what a lot of this, all the leather was originally used for was, was uh, clothing, yeah, you know, and horse saddles and like, yeah, craftsmanship yeah. stuff. Mm-hmm. Uh, what's the difference? I think we talked about it that one day. Uh, what's the difference then with like the drum hides and like the hides they use to make like whips and all the other stuff? Is that just a different process, or you just let that shit dry in the sun? <clears throat> um, there's yeah, there's a bunch of different. Uh, there's, there's leathers that they use for different applications. So they'll, they'll soak them in different oils and fats and they'll let them sit in there for like weeks or months and they heat them and it, and it absorbs that material. And, um, it just depends on the application when they'll, when they'll do. So that's really like your real hardy outdoor stuff is going to be like tallowed. Mm. So that's going to be in like a drum soaking up some type of oil, fatty amino acid concoction, and it just, you know, it, it kind of like fills it full of, uh, of strength. And then, you know, it's just going to not dry out so fast. Because yeah, I remember being a kid and <clears throat> in our town in Mexico, they there was a family on the corner. So imagine you walk into the town and you're in the square. There's a giant mountain behind the square. You look up and see the mountain. You would take the only main road up and they lived at the very last house before it met the mountain, right? Across a little river, whatever. And uh, their yard were just stakes in the ground and stretched out hides. Mm-hmm. And over time they'd walk out there and they'd have like these sticks with edges and they would just like scrape the hair off. Um, eventually it would dry enough that they would just, as soon as they would pop the stakes out, this thing was just like, one hard piece like wood yeah just like stiff and they would stand it up and then they would start to cut the pieces off and they were they were whip makers or Mm -hmm. um 
is there another name for those? Even lassos, like original yeah. lassos, like the rope is, is is rawhide. Yeah. So you have like tanned hide and then you have rawhide. Yeah. So if you salt it, stretch it, scrape it, and then you don't do the, the, tanning, the tanning process, then it's basically like rawhide. And then if you strip that up real fine, mm-hmm. you cut that into small strips, then you can like make rope, cordage, whips out yeah. of it. And it's super strong. Yeah. Um, it just doesn't have that soft, pliable touch. Um, and then you can get crackage. You that know, would if, suck to wear. Yeah, if you tried to make a belt <laughs> out of it, it'd be really uncomfortable, yeah. and then it might even crack. crack. Or, you know, you've had those yeah. dog chews. Yeah. They're nasty. Yeah. You know, and the dog, it's cool when you first get it for your dog. It looks, you know, like yeah. a bone. That's just rawhide, <laughs> but when they it starts getting all soggy when they gnaw on it. It's all weird. Yeah, I, don't, I just don't even want to touch yeah. those things. They taste different, too. I don't know. Mm-hmm. Um, don't do that. No, don't. <laughs> but, but they would take these these chunks of of this dry leather, and they would do what you were saying. They would cut them into these fine little strips, mm-hmm. and then they would latch them on to a wood block on the wall. Like, talk about old school, right? Uh, they would put soap on them. So it would be like one piece. They would stick. What, what's the hook blade that you use for leather? It looks kind of like a talon. There's a name for the blade. Mm. I, Sickle? It know. looks like one, <laughs> but just very small handheld. <laughs> uh, but basically they would have this piece, imagine like a sheet of paper and they would take it and then they would make these little tiny cuts right. on them. And then they would latch that onto this block, this little piece of, of wood. And then they would get a bar of soap. They would soap it mm-hmm. and then they would start to braid mm-hmm. and then they would braid and then they would shuck it and it would like seal that piece of the braid. They would braid and shuck and braid. And so shuck. you spend, you spend hours watching this and like, 11 years of my childhood. <laughs> did you ever like, <laughs> did you ever think like, I'm going to go over there and help them? Uh, well, that's kind of how I got to do all that. Like I okay. would, they would let me do the shit that I wouldn't mess up. Like okay. put the soap on it <laughs> <laughs> or, or take these pieces and throw them out. <laughs> uh, but it was nothing. It, it was such a cool experience. Uh, one of those things that like, I'm almost saddened that my kids will never get to experience right. that. Uh, but I remember being a kid, watching them cut, and they would mess up and cut, and they would just like start over, mm-hmm. and they would just there was just leather, dried leather, like Scraps spewed everywhere. across the floors. Yeah, three or four little ch- uh, little not, not even chairs, stools, uh, working with their feet, stretching with one foot, you know, working all this it's stuff. It's hard work. It's, Man, it's labor intense. Yeah, and I think you <laughs> asked me before, like, can we get can we get some of that brain hide? And I'm like, ooh, man, like that would be cool. It would be cool, but I've watched the process, and I'm going, that's. I mean, it's, it's, it's work. The people That's that do that. That's a month's work. Uh, yeah. I mean, then <laughs> you're, you gotta be like a plumber or something with gnarly like hands and forearms to just be that twisting. And I mean, you would be, you'd be built after man braining some hides. There you go. 30 day, uh, <clears throat> brain tanning workout <laughs> slash. <laughs> right. So we just, we just, but there's a product at the end. Yeah. So it's so marketable. You get, you get buff and a belt. <laughs> oh, you damn it. Just one belt? Um, a weightlifting belt. That's Jesus. a lot of leather. Yeah, that is a lot of leather. How, <laughs> how, much, how much material can be used to craft how many pieces? Like, is it one hide does two belts, five belts? No, I can get about 20 belts out of um, a good hide. Nice. So what happens is, is you have they kind of rate the quality of the leather like you would rate a steak, you know, oh. like select, choice, prime. So what happens is, is you know, the cows, they're living creatures. They're out there. Mm-hmm. 
on the prairie. <laughs> no. But mostly they're rubbing up against barbed wire fences. They're getting bit by bugs. They might get into fights. Dog bites. Dog bites, coyotes. So there's scars on them, which, yeah. you know, scars can be cool. Sometimes the hides are pretty beat up, though. Mm. So, like, you'll have several sections in the middle of the hide that might even have holes in them or scars that are really bad where the thickness variation is too drastic. Gotcha. So you have to cut those bad spots out. Now, those hides are like your select, right? Your C-grade. And those are a lot less expensive, but you do have a lot of waste that you can't use. So um, if you get a, a prime hide, premium hide, or like I like to use the brand, um, it's the oldest tannery in the United States, Herman Oak Leather. Mm-hmm. They're out of St. Louis. They've been around since the 1860s, I think. Damn. They put out awesome quality veggie tan leather. So all my belts, I buy their leather because I'm getting, I have very little waste. The hide shows up, it's beautiful. There is there is wear on it. I mean, it's it's a cow. Yeah, it's an animal so you're gonna running around. I think I have a little letter we send out that's like, hey, you know, if there's a, a little scar, this is just personality. This is not a man-made product. Like this has been out in nature. Yeah. So, you know, if it has a little scratch, um, from a piece of bob wire, like that doesn't mean that the leather's not good. Yeah. We just want to make sure it's structural, right? And it's not too bad. So I buy most of my leather from Herman Oak. And um, yeah, I have very little waste. I can pretty much get from the the back of the cow all the way to the belly, you know. So I the cow the hides come in halves. I buy them in halves. So they're split right down the center. So it's if we're looking at the whole animal, right? <clears throat> Uh, it's split down the spine, so you Correct. get the left half and the right half. Right. Okay, not like down the half. <laughs> right. He, uh, head to tail. Okay. You can buy. You can buy depending on what you want to make. You can buy different cuts. So you can buy like a, a double shoulder. So you'll get just the shoulder cut, which is kind of the prime. So you can get a left and a right, and it's across the back. But is it prime just because it's in an area where it doesn't get exposed to so much like abuse? Doesn't get the abuse, and then you don't have like the joints, the wrinkles, oh, the yeah. folds. So that when you start sense. getting around like shoulders, mm-hmm. um, the leather tends to not want to lay flat, and it almost gets like um, uh, stretch marks. Yeah, you know, everyone. What's well, whole freaking mark. life <laughs> yeah. was like a bone pushing through, right? Like it's right. laying on something that's yeah, been, yeah. So you know. You have this, if you cut your belt and it goes right through that stretch mark section, you're going to have like a nice clean piece of leather. And then all of a sudden it's going to kind of get thin and wavy and weird and then go back to nice leather. So you take that all into consideration. I think I have one of those. Yeah, you probably do. Yeah, That's probably my favorite one. I probably made it for you. Yeah. Uh-huh. I was like, oh, this is a freebie. Let me give this guy the, <laughs> let me give this Here's guy. a demo belt. <laughs> Here's the love handle, the love handle stretch mark special. <laughs> oh, man. It just, it goes with my stretch marks. That's, that's so we're like twins. The Personality. <laughs> I think I have like eight or 10 belts from, from you. Uh, I was, I was just like into it when when you told me the stories and then like the hand cutting of the pieces and that you look at these little you look at the the best parts to pull the belts from um and that's something that could just be overlooked right if somebody just wanted to mass produce shit they just cut stuff shape it and send it um but not you and that's what i like about the belts that i have all of them 
And, and I look at all of them. They're all different. All different. Which is You'll super never cool. have one that looks. <laughs> I can't. I can't make you two that look alike. Yeah. Sorry. And, and you sent two. And I know we talked about a specific dye that I mm-hmm. like. I like that like sandalwoody look. Mm-hmm. Uh, it does take away the the leather look. Uh, the integrity of the leathers there just looks different. Right. Uh, but it matches the shoes that I wear, which I, it's really important to me. <laughs> uh, Fashion is, a, you know, very important. So, <laughs> no, I mean, that's the cool thing about leather is it's timeless. So it's practical. It's something that, you know, comes from the earth and goes back to the earth and we can use it. So kind of that whole nose to tell, yeah. you know, you if you eat meat and then you get to, you know, treat the animal with respect by honoring it, by using as much of that as you can. Yeah. You know, I'm all for that. We went to dinner and I was telling you stories about slaughtering cows as a kid. And man, I would eat snout tacos, (laughs) tongue tacos, brain and potato tacos. Like we ate the whole animal. You didn't even think about it. It was just, that's what's for dinner. I'd be gnawing on the knuckles of, (laughs) of the fucking hooves. And you know, they popped a little, what looks like a nail, the hoof itself, and you would eat the insides and you'd boil that down and that would be something else. Mm-hmm. Like everything had purpose. Like I remember watching my grandma when we would get the, my grandma and all my aunts, cause they all worked together. Uh, they would bring over the belly, the, the tripe, the tripas that we ate today that you didn't want to eat. You know? <laughs> he didn't want to eat tripe. I did. Uh, <laughs> they, they would sit there with these brushes and they would like scrape the shit out of mm-hmm. like the literal shit. Mm-hmm. And like there's still like grain and grass in there. And then like they're scraping the belly to make the menudo. Uh, my grandma would plug a hose to the tripe and then just like shimmy out <laughs> scrape out all the shit from the tu- from the tubing of the intestine and then later that day after it dried a little bit taco time and you would eat that stuff it was fried up and probably amazing it was actually and then we would sell the hides to the family that would drive oh, really? and create that oh and that's cool so not only was it, it was a community thing right it was mm. the community was helping the animals providing for everybody and then the dogs would get the scraps and they were the happiest dogs how do you find something like that you know it's like that's that's a thing of the past i mean it's still around but it's such a rarity and like you mentioned you know i don't know if we just talked about it now or earlier but like our kids yeah won't get to really experience that they won't and it's like you can't even recreate it. You can't even like find a place that would be like, Hey, will you let me be the creep that hangs out with three kids? Uh, you know yeah. what I mean? Uh, you can't even do that. So it's like some of us get lucky and, and I encourage everybody to think back about some memories or think of the memories you have that will never be able to be replicated again. Uh, remember those stories, tell those stories, should tell me those stories. I'll remember with you. Uh, I like that stuff. Mm-hmm. Again, the rabbit holes about you telling me about leather, uh, and all the rabbit holes, I'm going to try and drag you <laughs> to drag us down. Uh, like you showed up to my room with a case full of leather stuff <laughs> and you start whipping out pistols and swinging them. And I'm just like, this is awesome. Or <laughs> not even pistols, handguns, because they're old wheel guns. Um, tell, <laughs> and I know you're pretty proud that, that was it mom that found it? The, oh yeah. The coaster. Mom, yeah. So, to tell me the coaster story. Cause so, I, <laughs> uh, well it's dated, so it's factual, but about probably 1983 or four, um, my dad was real big growing up that at five o'clock it's dinner time. Mm-hmm. I have two brothers, one older, one younger, and you are at that dinner table for dinner or you don't eat. 
<clears throat> so that's how we grew up. But after dinner, then it was kind of like, okay, you know, we can talk and do different things. And my dad, there was a Tandy leather store down the street from our house. And um, I was always fascinated. I, I, I don't know if it was at like a, um, at a, a, a thrift store or something, but I got this book that was like the size of a dictionary. And it was all about making knives. It taught you old school ways how to make knives, and then it taught you how to make the leather sheaths for the knives. And I remember as a kid that I would just study and study that book. I was just fascinated with it, and my older brother did too. We were we have a lot in common. So, anyways, my dad buys us this Tandy leather set, and after dinner, you know, our, our dinner time, <laughs> we couldn't clear the table fast enough, man, to get that that to set get back out in the book. there. No, to get the Tandy leather set oh, out. Nice. So yeah, I had the book open, looking at the knife sheaths, even though I'd have a knife to make yet. And then, uh, you know, there's pre-made little cut things to make coasters and I don't know, all these different crafts. So I remember several nights after dinner, clear the table, where, you know, and my dad's participating too. He's there, That's you know, cool. showing yeah. us how to use a swivel knife, even though, even though he doesn't know how to use a <laughs> swivel knife. But fast forward a little bit, my mom, she was cleaning out something and she found one of my coasters I made um, with my initials on it and on the back and pin, I, I signed it because I was so proud of it and the dated it, 1985, right? Yeah. So I thought, man, what a cool uh, souvenir that I didn't even know existed. And my mom, Dude. it's funny, she just found that like a year ago, uh, <laughs> you know, stuffed in some drawer at her yeah. house. I haven't, I haven't been at home in 23 years. And uh, she had that. So it was cool, cool to add to the collection. It kind of shows um, people like, you know, there's some, there's some time that's been put into all this stuff. Yeah, 1985. Yeah. Fuck. Dude. Were you born yet? Uh, Barely, huh? I think I was like, Still shitting in my diapers, mm. um, and then like flinging it like a monkey. Yeah, at least that's what my mom says. So yeah, I was I was two years old, man, and you were already crafting fucking leather. I already started Heart Leather Co. Shit, dude! It yeah. does it does say it has your initials on it. <laughs> it <does>. uh, <laughs> that's so cool. You should frame that shit and put it up in in my the shop. fucking shop. Yeah, and that's like first piece. Boom. And it's terrible. It, it really is like... It's I mean, not I, bad. I mean, I was probably... what a, I don't know. I was probably like seven or eight. Yeah. So it's to be expected, but... Uh, it, it looks like a three-year-old made it, so... Maybe fuck. I was three. Um, I don't know. Seven. Jeez, I expected more from you. Um, well, I might be a little <laughs> bit better. Not much, but a little bit better. Well, now with technology. Yes. Uh, it has helped a lot. <laughs> I know how to sharpen the swivel knife. Instead of having to work with a dull knife, because my dad was afraid of us cutting ourselves. Oh, see, hard lessons for good mm -hmm. reasons. Mm -hmm. Damn, he didn't let you have sharp knives. <laughs> Were you mad that it wouldn't cut? Well, you know, with <laughs> yeah, probably. <laughs> it's almost weird though working with leather because you want to cut it, but you don't want to cut it too deep. There's there's like an angle when you're cutting leather. And there's a, amount, a certain amount of pressure and flow because when you're doing stuff, you want to draw. Mm. It's almost like a swivel knife. You're using almost like you're doing a paintbrush. So when you're like doing a name, you want to be able to cut it in like you're writing where if you're pushing too hard or if it's if it's not sharp enough or too sharp, it's not flowing smooth. And then your stuff looks 
terrible. Yeah, so it should have more of a curvature mm-hmm. instead of those like crazy little sharp edge lines mm-hmm. where it looks like it's being cut. Right. Huh. Yeah, and then they have other tools where you actually like round those corners off and you mold it back down. I don't know. Have you seen like? I haven't got too into it too much, but there's I've seen pieces of leather work where someone will take a piece of leather and sculpt it three dimensional into like a horse. Whoa. So I mean, if it's laying flat like a piece of paper, it actually comes up like. Yeah, it looks raised. And it, it's it is raised. Yeah. I mean, they can put you can wow. push the leather and work it up into like mountains and valleys. It's a trip. Is that part of that wet wet leather work stuff? No, that's different. They do when you do um, tooling. They call it tooling when you work leather. So anytime you're putting a design by hand into leather, they call it tooling. So mm-hmm. the Western belt I showed you today, mm-hmm. that is all tooling. Mm-hmm. So you do to get that to get that stuff to stay permanently imprinted into the leather. You do mildly wet it. You get it damp, and then it will set. It will take the impression that you do or the cut. And then if you leave it, it will dry up and harden and, and pretty much, I don't know. I mean, I've seen stuff that's been tooled from the 1800s and the tooling's Jeez. still on there. So it's pretty permanent. Yeah. Once you, once you put that indention in there and let it dry, it's, it's there. It's in there. Mm-hmm. Man. I wonder, is there, <laughs> is there any sort of like stuff that you have found where like the earliest like designing of leather, not like using it for clothes or using it for like drums or, or to make rope, um, like the first fashion stuff. Shoes. Shoes were the first? I think, I mean, I don't know that for a fact, but shoes and like, the uh, especially when mining became a thing, mm-hmm. I mean, leather shoes, you know, indigenous people had like, they wore more wore like the moccasins, yeah, like which with and then they had the hair on for warmth. Mm-hmm. But um, once like the Americanized shoe came, it was leather, polished leather. Yeah, and they stack, you know, so they they cut the leather and stack the sole. So having that leather stack sole, I think, was really like um, a game changer mm. to shoe wearing because you didn't have really any type of support on the bottom of your boot until they started stacking the leather like that. So it was le- the heels were leather at one point before they were something else? Oh, yeah. Wow. I think they've been leather from the beginning. Really? Yeah. Interesting. Unless you're from that Norway country where they had the wood cl- clucker, whatever. The- <laughs> well, why do they look rubber to me? Maybe I'm just seeing the outside edge. What? Well, like cowboy boots. Well, yeah, new boots. Yeah, new, new boots. Yeah, 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 new boots. What they'll do is even on like a nice pair of Ariats or cowboy boots. It's, yeah, you can see the layers and yeah. then you see like the like the tacked in rubber piece, right? right? I mean, yeah. that's just for longevity. Yeah. So, I mean, obviously rubbers, you know, rubber wasn't around back then. Yeah. <laughs> so it totally makes sense to throw like a rubber sole. Yeah. But they're still, they're still fitting your foot like a nice boot to this day. A Red Wing, an Alden, you know, the... Uh, the um, the Wolverine who makes that uh, there's some nice boots out there, and uh, they're all stacked leather sole, but they'll cap them with a with a some type of tread on the bottom. Yeah, just for longevity. Yeah, and it depends on your conditions. You know, it's like if you're in wet conditions or slippery, or I mean, when you when you know cowboys walked around on dirt streets, their shoes probably lasted longer. But if you're walking on a leather foot pad on 
asphalt. Yeah, you're tearing it up. You're going to go through it pretty quick. Yeah. Even on the smooth rocks, right? Because they would use like uh, those cobblestones. Like that still wasn't that much wear. No, and leather soles do okay on on stones. Hmm. But it asphalt, sense. asphalt's no good. <laughs> you know, a lot of flip flops. You can get like leather flip flops that are leather on the bottom, and they they do okay. Yeah. You know, on the sand. <laughs> <laughs> as long as you don't walk around the streets of San Diego like we're. T- <laughs> yeah. You won't wreck up. <laughs> So what's the, what was the product that got you going that, that you were like, cool, I'm into this. I'm going to be running this. This is what I want to do. Um, as I got older, you know, growing up, you kind of get into stuff, you get out of it. And then I kind of circled back to it. And then, um, there was stuff that I wanted. I wanted to, I wanted, I wanted holsters. I wanted cowboy holsters. I wanted knife sheaths. I had all these cool knives, but the sheaths were terrible. I didn't like it. I got some cool knives and then they got these, I mean, Kydex is functional, but sometimes it just makes the, or these sheaths are plastic. Yeah. So I, I heavily got back into just making stuff for myself and it was coming out pretty sweet, right? <laughs> Going, man, this is sweet. So then, then, um, I made some belts and then I started getting, um, some local police departments and detective agencies that really liked my belts. Um, they were heavier duty. They could carry some kid on there. If they decide to carry outside the waistband, they held the weight. But most of these guys were carrying inside the waistband and then they had suits on and mm-hmm. the belts looked nice. Yeah. So they didn't have a suit. Right. And then have this goofy tactical <laughs> belt. Yeah. Nylon or whatever. Right. And then they, you know, and then they got there in the waistband set up. Um, so that kind of started the whole, the whole ball rolling. Um, then I met this Polish guy who serves in the military in Poland and he is a phenomenal leather guy and he has this wet molding process where he can mold this leather to fit your gun or knife so perfectly it has retention and that retention doesn't break down over time. I bought, I brought a piece here for you to look at to kind of show you. Um, and I was fascinated, like, wow, is this guy doing this? And I was trying, I was trying everything I could think of to mimic what he was doing and how his end result was coming out. And I had no luck and I searched everywhere on the internet and I could not find anybody. So I reached out to this guy on a whim. I mean, he's in Poland. Yeah. He straight up contacted me back. We did countless hours of video chat from Poland to, you know, Southern California. And Damn. he showed me all these, pro- all step by step by step on how to do what he's doing. So I started making some holsters and cool stuff. And then the detectives, they wanted that. <laughs> so then um, that turned into to making that for some different guys. And um, that was fun, but that's a, it's still a labor of love. Love, love. You what know? does one of those holsters take, like time-wise? You got to do it in a process because you're you're cutting it and molding it and then drying it and then molding it oh. and then wetting it. So you can't do it in one sitting. Mm. Um, total hours, you're probably looking somewhere between four and six hours, but it's going to be over a two to three day period. Because you got to wait for it to dry and right. then reset. Yeah. Damn. So what I would do is I would kind of like assembly line it 
So I'd, I'd wait till I had like a half dozen orders or a dozen holsters to do. Mm-hmm. And then I'd do all of them, you know, step one, one day, and then, then step two the next day and kind of just worked it like that. That's kind of like the only way you could do that, right? If you were going to do that style, because you, you do like four of one step and then the next day another step. Right. Uh, are you still doing those? I do one or two holsters and knife sheaths a year, and it's more for a gift or mm-hmm. a family friend or a repeat client, yeah. just because I'm so maxed out on my time and they're so time consuming. And it's something that I'm doing because I like to do it, but it's definitely um, the amount of hours and labor that go into those. You know, it's not a smart business <laughs> model to do those and try to make a living. And then, you know, the and then what's really turned out good is um, the same process and the same high quality leather I've turned into custom made patches for hats. And that's really what's been a big hitter the belts and then my leather patch hats. Um, those have just been on fire and, um, it's, it's been pretty cool to watch it grow. So that's the bulk of what, what you're doing is yeah. the, those kick-ass patches that go on the hats and then the, the belts and the belts. Yeah. And the hats and belts are both basically I'm set up where I can do production of those and I can, you know, I, I don't want to say mass produce, but I am set up where when I get orders, I can fulfill them in a timely yeah. manner. And it's manageable. Well, you figured out the system, right? You figured out what you needed to do step by step, and then it's all just a lot easier now. Right. Uh, I'm still, it's still a learning curve, but it's definitely, I've definitely taken a lot of steps, and it's getting better and easier, and I can do more production in a shorter amount of time just because I'm, like, working out all the kinks. Yeah. And where do you source for the belts? Where do you source the, the buckles? And why did you pick the design that you have for it? Um, I have two buckles um, I picked, and I'm, I I kind of lean towards keeping things simple and, and not having too many options. When you have a lot of options and you have a lot of different opinions and a lot of different wishy-washiness, but I'm like, um, the, the buckle I use on the Warrior Belt, I call that the Eastwood buckle. It's a square buckle. Mm-hmm. So it comes out and then it loops back through itself instead of yeah. having a leather strap it goes through. Right. What that does is it really locks your buckle in place. So your belt and your buckle are really locked because it's a real short um, come around and back through itself and it really locks it in. So you have a lot of security there. You know, it does have a a different look to it. Um, it might not be the most fashionable if you're like going out to dinner yeah. and you're like dressing up like in real nice black pants and your f- fancy flip flops. Um, <laughs> but, uh, but I, it's, it's super functional and it works good. Um, the other belt I call, uh, the Bronson mm. is more your traditional, a little more curved. And then it has a, a leather strap that the, 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 the tail, the tail of the belt will hold on to. Yeah. And that's a great buckle. They're solid, they're solid brass. They're American made. Um, you know, they cost a little bit more, but I just like that they're American made and the quality is there. So through and through every piece of hardware, every buckle, every piece of leather, it's all American made. Correct. That's fucking rad. Um, have you been to the, uh, the tannery? No. And I, I heard it smells terrible. Of course. <laughs> <laughs> Any plans on going? Man, I'd love to. Um, I know like in 
I know there's all kinds of tanneries like uh, in Tennessee and, and stuff. So I have some friends out that way, and I'd like to go visit a couple of them. So what's what was the name of the of the main one that you use? Herman Oak. Okay. Yeah. Are they like a mass producer? Do they tan for just about everybody who who does leather work, or is there another? Oh no, there's tons of tanneries out there. Herman Oak has um, like their grade and mm-hmm. their way of doing it. So if you get one of their hides, then they they stamp it on the back. Oh, okay. You know that that's like a quality hide. Um, it's gonna have minimal flaws in it. It's gonna be you know the cow was raised right. It it's. I, you know, when I first got into this and I, and I was trying to be cheap cause I wasn't really like, it wasn't a business. I was just doing it for fun. I was looking for a good deal on hide. Yeah. I've got some bad leather. Yeah. I mean, leather <laughs> yeah. that's so hard. Like, you know how you said that that, yeah. that hide was dried out and it was like a rock mm-hmm. like on your, on your neighbor's fence. Yeah. I mean, I've gotten veggie tan leather that shouldn't be like that, but it's almost like that. Whoa. So, I mean, there's, there's some bad stuff out there and, but you get what you pay for. Is, is the thickness pretty consistent across the board or do different cows have different thickness and hides? So this is a trip. Like most cows average between a half inch and five eighths thick skin. Huh. So, I mean, that's, that's really thick. Yeah. Um, what they do then is they, after they take the hair off, they lay that side down and they have big blades that come and it shaves the leather all the way down to your desired thickness oh. all the way down to like, I mean, if you have real leather upholstery, yeah, it's like one mil thick. Yeah. I mean, it's very, but that stuff gets expensive because you have a lot of like waste, right? Yeah. Because leather also is wavy. It's not flat like a, a board. Right. So they have to iron it, shave it, iron it, shave it and work it all the way down. Damn, that's a lot of labor. Yeah. And what they do is they, they sell it. So like a belt, like the EDC belt, um, that is, they go by ounces, which is kind of confusing instead of... Yeah, I was going to say. So that's that's an 11 to 12 ounce hide. So what they're telling me is if you gauge that, it's going to be, you know, through the hide, you're going to have a little variation. You know, the sh- up by the shoulder might be a little thicker than in the middle, and then down by the belly might be thicker than the middle. So even when I pull, say, 20 belts out of one hide all those belts are going to vary a little bit on their thickness. They're going to be close, but, uh, but yeah, there's no exact anything when it comes to a living organism. Yeah. I was going to say, unless they do that shaving thing. Right. And then they try to give you something close, but even then, right. It's see, they shave the bottom and the top side could have, the top side could be different. Oh, so, you know, the top side could have just like a naturally little, like say wrinkle in it where when they shave it all in the bottom, then you'll have a little pocket. Yeah. As it goes through. Yeah. That's crazy, man. Uh, (laughs) so other than the book and starting to play around with stuff, was there anything else that, that inspired some of like your shapes, the coloring that goes into it? Um, the belt designs, cause your belts are pretty unique, right? I I haven't seen anything like your belts. Um, what I, yeah, what I, uh, what I like to do is, I mean, making a belt isn't rocket science. Right. I mean, if you have a local Tandy leather, you could go down, they have pre-cut strips of leather hanging on the wall, one inch, one and a half inch wide. You can take yourself an X-Acto knife, and I guarantee you within a couple hours, you'll have something that goes around your waist. Yeah. Okay? But um, 
what I what I like and what I what I don't like is belt manufacturers. They're buying these they're buying these hides that are all pre-soaked, pre-done. They're just Manila. They're just and then most of them are buying their stuff that's that's chrome that's um, chemically tanned. Yeah, because it's cheaper. It actually does look more even. Hmm. So when you see a leather belt that's just perfectly colored and perfectly even, it's like um, you know going down Rodeo Drive and seeing a bunch of girls and you know they're yeah. not you know yeah. <laughs> it's like there's a there's a lot of there's a lot of makeup on that yeah. belt right so um, you don't know what you really get you don't know I mean the belt looks good but that's why you know they start to crack and do weird things where I start with it in pretty much the most cost-effective cost way for me to start, which is a whole hide, veggie tan, so that process is done, and then I select what colors I wanna do. Mm. I mix the colors, I put the, I put the oil dye in, I know the brand of the oil dye I'm putting in, I know how much I'm putting on, and then you know I'm hand-cutting these to size. Um, when someone orders a belt, I make I tell them please use a, a measuring tape and give me your exact measurement. Don't tell me your pant size because yeah. that varies several inches for sure. Um, and then after that, I have other processes where I warm the belt up to a specific temperature and I melt in a cream an organic cream beeswax into the pore. So I open the pores of the leather out and I have beeswax that gets melted into the pores. Nice. Aesthetically, you might go, man, these belts look great. There's other people aesthetically that are so used to seeing a belt off of a uh, you know a rack that's just this solid no personality belt. They might be a little confused when mm -hmm. they see something from me because mine might be the colors might vary throughout the belt. They do. Um, mine, the one I'm wearing now varies. Right, because yeah. there's I mean just like your skin, you have different you know tones. some tones and all that stuff. So from you know, from the raw process all the way to your belt, I've personally have put every piece of, you know, oil and beeswax and conditioner into that. Damn. Uh, all for a belt. <laughs> <laughs> That's a lot. <laughs> I'm sitting here like, man, my belt's been through a lot more than I than I gave it credit for. <laughs> it's not a roll up the tanny leather, pull a piece of leather off the rack, and then send yeah. you guys a belt. It's a whole different animal. Yeah. Do you, do you get a lot of uh, varied color requests or are the colors pretty simple? Once again, I try not to give too many options yeah. because it just starts getting unmanageable. So I really only offer on my website a light brown, a medium brown, which is a wall. It's actually a walnut and black. Hmm. Um, the pickiest person so far has been this guy named Raul that keeps wanting this color to match a pair of Vans that he has. <laughs> but I was trying to tell him his Vans are, you know, made in some Chinese sweatshop with with uh, with chemicals and you know it's those tannins. They don't have the red tannins. My, yeah, my shoes have uh, chromium. Is that what that is? Yeah, yeah. So they were dyed chromium. with chromium, and mm -hmm. they don't look. Uh, anything like other leather. <laughs> Brad's been brave enough and patient enough that he has finally achieved the color. Close. Uh, I wouldn't say I nailed it's, it. It's close enough that you can't really tell the difference. I had to uh, mix a little you're black like in there. <laughs> is that what that dark line across my belt is? A little bit of black? Yeah. It just didn't blend? But you know what's weird <laughs> is that was all mixed in a container mm. and shooken up. 
And then when it was laid on, the leather still wanted to separate the colors on its own. Whoa. Oil-based, yeah. organic oil-based dye, a black and a brown, and I mixed them together, and, the, and they were mixed perfectly in the container, but once it hit the leather, it wanted to separate. The leather's like, no. It's like, what are you doing to me? <laughs> They're like, this must be going to roll. Let's fuck it up. The craziest color, though, is um, Palm Springs, Cathedral City, and um, one other place out there in, in the desert. Um, they have a SWAT team. It's Desert Regional SWAT. Mm-hmm. And they wanted their hats done with an OD green leather. Oh, so that was interesting. It took me several tries, but I finally achieved it and they were happy. So they just put a big order in. So all their duty hats are um, black black hats with OD green dyed leather. leather and it has their eagle on there and it says Desert Regional SWAT. So that was a fun project and now I have well, I have two custom bottles of dyes on my shelf. I have one <laughs> bottle that says Raul, and then I have another bottle that's my OD green that's just for the desert regional guys. Man, we should launch a line of, of the Raul color brown. We can. That's a good one. Bump the price 10%. Hey, man, it looks and good. And then give him a discount. <laughs> Drop Raul, get your yeah. money back. And then it all just back to normal. <laughs> uh, on the... So the EDC belt, what was the weight on that one? So that's, that's 11 to 12 ounces. 11 to 12. The Warrior belt, what we're doing is we're pairing a four ounce leather piece with the 12 ounce. So you're getting about 16 ounces of leather, which is, it's at least a quarter inch thick. Yeah. It's maybe a thick. little bit thicker. Mm-hmm. Um, it can, it can hold a pretty good load. Yeah. Um, you can, you know, you can load it with an outside the waistband, you can, with mags and, um, I've loaded mine with a 17, two extra mags fully loaded and then one carbine mag and it was comfortable. It didn't bend or bow. Mm -hmm. Uh, I don't think I would do that with a standard, um, nylon or Cordura belt. Maybe those nasty ones that are so stiff. That almost right. remind you like of that other hide. Uh, they're like, there's like a plastic liner, like it never warps, never bends. Uh, no character. It's just a bunch of cool guy shit. But the, the warrior belt with those two stitched together, it holds a good load. I liked it. Um, it's comfortable. It is more stiff. Definitely not an everyday wear belt, but it's great for five, six hours on the range doing something you need to do. Uh, and then, and I wore it right for like five or six weeks. How long have I had that one? A while now, right? Mm-hmm. The original one we, we, we played with? You probably had it over a year. Yeah. The original one. So, and now it's soft. I mean, mm-hmm. five, six weeks of sweat, rain. <laughs> yeah. You, know, you told of, me, yeah. You're like, I was in a storm with this yeah. thing. I, I, torrential downpour uh, in the Warrior Belt and in the EDC Belt. So, like, my EDC Belt changed shape in the back mm-hmm. because it was loaded. And that's the lighter one. So, uh, the lighter loaded one gun and, and mags and it's loaded so it kind of like the the pant line or the pant belt or the belt loop on the pants with the weight with mm-hmm. the soaked leather created like a a wrinkle mm-hmm. but it's like a stretch mark yeah a little stretch mark <laughs> and, and it's to me it's fucking beautiful because i'll hang it where all my belts are hanging on a little rack so i can look and pick 
like what shoes match the belt today. Um, and I'll look at that one and it's got a bigger curvature mm-hmm. on the back end because it was soaked and stretched and it just got a little bit more abuse than everything else. But I look at that and I instantly remember that day, right. what happened. You made a memory with yeah, that with product. with the belt. Um, right. And that's what's really important about good quality products. You will have something like that happen versus mm-hmm. a, oh shit, I trashed my belt chuck it in the right. garbage. There goes that memory. There goes that piece of equipment. Uh, and then it's just gone. But now I get to tell you the dude who That's built it. That's a good story. It. Yeah. Yeah. And, and I see it and I'm like, oh yeah, that day. <laughs> and then I'm like, yeah, that was shitty, but it was awesome. Uh, I put my own, uh, nicks and scratches mm-hmm. in my belts from like combatives on, on That's asphalt. Great. Like, character. yeah, there's just like, they get beat up and they last. Uh, but again, separating good products from shitty Mm -hmm. fucking target products Mm -hmm. where if I did anything like that with one of those, the colors have melted off. The leather has melted off. The stitching comes apart. The stitching peels and you can see the glue. It's like glue and stitching. Um, Yeah. They, they use a very, very thin layer um, that they can sew with a very cheap sewing machine. And then they, they try to give it the girth with like a piece of plastic or some type of compound in between the two pieces. Inside. Yeah. And that stuff just comes apart. Like, ridiculous um the leather like the warrior belt what that has two pieces stitched together the cool thing about that is it's like wood if you think about a baseball bat the stronger baseball bat is not the the bat made out of one piece of wood because it has grains right and there mm-hmm. can be a weak spot they'll glue several pieces of different wood together with then they cross the grains and that makes it strong same thing applies to leather so when you get a dual a real leather belt that is double layered, the grains work against each other. Mm. So not only is it just the thickness, but the overall strength of the belt and the, the stretch you'll get over time will be a minimal stretch and you're gonna have great strength because of the, the fibers are actually working against each other to make it stronger. Yeah, one's trying to pull one way, the other mm-hmm. one's pulling it back. So it keeps the integrity a lot better. Uh, and then have you launched or, or posted or advertised that mid-range that's Warrior our belt, like we don't even have a name for it. No, that's our next. That's our next project. So, um, collaborating with you, kind of from the beginning on the, the Warrior belt and putting, um, you know, before we we I put anything out there, I wanted it to be tested yeah. to the max. What better person, <laughs> you yeah. know? Because I know you're going to be rolling in the rocks and yeah. the dirt. You're not afraid to get down yeah. and dirty. And as much as I know, respect the the product, no, go for I'm it. I'm going for it. Yeah, go for it. Because if there's a weak spot. I'll fix it. We got to find out and fix it. Yeah. Um, so the midweight belt, which I'm still, I wouldn't say kinks, working out a few kinks, but just dialing it in mm-hmm. um, to perfection. Uh, we're close. And that's going to be, my goal with that belt is to be at the same thickness as the everyday carry belt. So that's, so that let's say that's a 12 ounce belt. Yeah. Okay. You like that weight, it's comfortable, but when you really load it up, it li- it's a little too flimsy yeah. for a heavy load. That's where the warrior belt comes in. But if you want that middle of the road one, um, I'm looking at that 12 ounce weight. So what I'm gonna do is I'm gonna pair two pieces of lighter leather that will equivalent to that 12 ounce, and then we're gonna have a reverse grain, and mm. then use you know the saddle stitch with the same great yeah. quality as the warrior belt. Um, 
So we're real close to getting that dialed in. And I think after tonight, because I have some stuff we're going to work out after the podcast yeah. for you to look at, <laughs> uh, we might be ready to launch pretty soon. That would be cool. Uh, we're still figuring out a name for that, right? Yeah. I was going to leave that up to you. All right. I'll, I'll find a name. Have I like, you, I like you have a stuff. demo. Have you put it to the test yet? I haven't fought with it yet. Um, did you bring it for this trip? I did. It's in well, my suitcase. Maybe you should fight with it tomorrow. Yes. I'm going to... Tomorrow I'll wear that belt to see how it does. Um, I've done it in classes. I've taken it off and like handed it to people. Like check and it whipped out. Whipped them. <laughs> that should have been something I do. Damn it! Uh, <laughs> I don't think that's in the waiver. Uh, <laughs> and somebody might like it. They're gonna follow me home. Uh, <laughs> but but I'll I'll show it to them and it's like people once they touch it, mm-hmm. it's like oh shit. Right. And they start thinking about it more and they, they're like, well, I want one. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? And it isn't anything to do with me. It's like they get to see and hold the quality. Right. And that's where it changes for a lot of people. Um, and it's hard, right? Where do you get a chance to do that? So that's why I like the interactive stuff where, where if I like a product and I use a product, uh, I'll show it off and then people can touch it, get their own hands on it. And then they're like, okay, cool. It's not just Right. This, right. It's not what they thought. It's now there's like something tangible to their idea. And they're like, awesome. Uh, and I get that feedback a lot from the bell. I think I told that story in a class where I was uh, I was talking about like you cutting them. And I was like, this shit's like hand stitched. And like, <laughs> yeah. imagine he's like he's got this like little prong thing and he's hammering in holes into the lead. And they're like, what? Yeah. You're wearing that? Like, how, why would you leave the house with that? That's a masterpiece. And I'm like, oh, I'm about to go roll around yeah, in this. Yeah, thrash it. Uh, I totally thought that in the combatives class with the original warrior belt that I would have uh, maybe like busted one of the stitchings. It hasn't though. What kind of, what kind of uh, material is that? So that's a, that's a wax nylon cord. Okay. Um, the way that's stitched, that's called a saddle stitch. Mm. There's, if you tear a stitch and then you pull it, it only gets tighter. There's cool. no way to unstitch that belt unless you really take it out one stitch at a time. Damn. So the way that built it, that belt is built, it's the stitching is never going to come apart on that ever. I mean, That's you literally have to cool. cut every single stitch out, like individually, individually, like maliciously trying yes. to destroy the belt. Yeah. And I have experimented with um, with um, what's this uh, cord called? Uh, Paracord? No. Um, blanking right now uh anyways really strong cord uh you know it cuts through stuff i have it on my it's uh what's the name of this i don't know but anyways i've I've experimented with some really strong cord and um you don't want the cord to be so strong where it's stronger than the leather and over time it starts cutting your leather kevlar kevlar yeah so this is kevlar cord right here Mm -hmm. And so I, I thought, oh, that'd be cool, you know, uh, you know, EDC, Kevlar, you know. Jeez. So, but what happens is, is this stuff is so strong. It'll rip the leather. You know, as it, as it shifts and shuffles, it will cut the leather. Damn. And I've actually used this and cut <laughs> a piece of leather yeah. and tested it out. So it, it's not the right fit to pair this with leather, right. but you get the right nylon wax cord. It's going to last because leather moves, man. It, it moves. I and feel it breathes. It yeah. Right. Yeah. It 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 has a life of its own. Yes. It's it's a. I mean, if I mean, it is a dead piece of of whatever now. But when you wear it and you breathe and you move, you're giving it life. Where some of these like 
<laughs> fake belts. I don't know. They're not fake belts, <laughs> but, um, material that, that, that doesn't allow for that flex and movement. Mm-hmm. Right. Uh, it, it almost loses a connection. And this is where I get kind of like deep with stuff. Uh, woo woo, dude. And I, I, I even talk about it in classes. I don't even care. I like the, the idea that we can feel and be a part of something. Right. So like shoes that have better traction, I can feel them gripping or mm-hmm. shoes that have a little bit less of a sole. I can feel when my foot touches something that's not flat or it's uneven or it's mm-hmm. pointy or edgy. And I'm like, OK, cool. Probably let's not load bear there because it's not going to be good for you know secure footing. Uh, little things like that or like fucking touching something hot or something cold. You know not to do it or you know mm-hmm. to do it. Uh, it's the same thing with the belt. Like the belt will move with you. If I'm on an angle, like I can feel the belt dig and I'm like, okay, cool. Maybe that's too much there. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's cool that it sits around the midline of your body. It tells you when you're doing too much or too little. And then if you're load bearing it, you can feel it on one end. You can feel it on the other. Um, but what's cool about the cut and and the way these flex, they allow that movement without being uncomfortable. Right. They're like not it, fighting back. They're so not fighting hard. back. Yeah. There you go. They're they're flexing mm-hmm. with you. Um, so they do have a life of their own, and it's the life that you give them based on how much movement and activity you're willing to do with them. Hence, like the combatants are rolling around grass, gravel, asphalt, whatever, uh, and they survive, and then they move, and then they have these like character pieces totally on, <laughs> on the back of them so it's yeah cool. and you don't want your i mean your belt looks cool when it's brand new and you first get it but when you see like i'll, I'll run into a client or a friend or a customer or anybody that's had a belt and say they've had it for like six or seven years and i see it i'm like and it's all patinaed and it's got stories i'm like that thing looks sweet i mean it's it's not pretty no more but no. it's so cool looking <laughs> that it's 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 awesome yeah and it's just neat to think like this was a living animal that had its own life Right at one time, and now you're, now you're, you have it, and you guys are making a story together. Yeah, I mean, this is pretty corny, but you know, Dude, that's the <laughs> shit that I'm saying. Though it's like that's where, <laughs> where where we get to blend and infuse a different life force and carry it on. Mm-hmm. Like that had no idea that animal had no idea what was going to happen post, right? And but it lives on in what you're doing. So that's it's pretty cool. And something that's so practical and so functional. But the, the process, and, and this has been around for countless thousands of years or who knows how long, is pretty cool too. You know, that there's, there's something that's been around for that long that's still practical in 2021. Yeah. And that can, you know, in some people's opinion, outperform whatever the newest tech is. The other products. The other products, yeah. yeah. Well, and that's the thing, right? Um, performance is is measured by how you, you the individual, decide if it's going to work for you or if it's going to give you what you want, right? Um, you're building your own performance around your equipment. Uh, and with these belts, the way they move and shape and work with you, I like that. I would prefer that than something super stiff and super rigid that doesn't give any play. It's just on. <laughs> right. And then it's just kind of like, ugh, it's kind of awkward and uncomfortable. But that play, that give, for me, that adds performance because it adds comfort. It, it adds the angles that I need without like over grinding. And I just, I remember wearing those belts and I'm just like, oh, now it's like cool, man. You want to hear something ridiculous? Oh. <laughs> this is almost embarrassing. So about three years ago, um, I was going to take one of Mike's classes and um, he invited me out as in Northern Cal. And I thought, oh, you know, I need to get a, a, a combat set belt set up. Mm-hmm. So I go out and get, you know, I was texting uh, Glover, uh, like, hey, what do you recommend? You know, I w- you know, I want to be prepared. 
So he gives me some recommendations. So here I am on um, at the range with all this brand new combat belt setup, and it was so uncomfortable. <laughs> and here, here I am that and the whole time in the back of my head I was thinking like, why don't I have my just regular belt on right right now? Or you know, I was already thinking then like, I can make something that's so much more functional because yeah, we we're doing like. We were active. We were flipping tires. We were running, carrying dumbbells. We were, you know, rolling and mm-hmm. doing stuff. And it was just, I just didn't feel comfortable in it. And then once again, I mean, uh, to be fair, it's not like I was used to it either. It's not like I had it, you know, I wore it all the time and got yeah. used to it. I'm sure people do. But it was, I was almost embarrassed. Like, man, what am I doing? Why am I, <laughs> I went out and bought this thing and I could have just went into my shop and made something Made better. like a double stitched warrior belt. Oh, <laughs> ding, ding, ding. Man, <laughs> what took you so long? <laughs> so where can people find you, find out more about the products and if they wanted to get themselves uh, an EDC belt, a warrior belt, or here soon in the future, that uh, secret name belt that we're going right. to figure out. So yeah, I have a website all set up. It's uh, just my last name, Hart, which is H-A-R-T. So it's heartleatherco.com or it's heartleather.com. I have both the domains. And then um, Instagram is uh, at heartleatherco. Um, somebody had heart leather years back and I couldn't get it. Bastard. So yeah, it's, it's heartleatherco on Instagram. Um, I'm pretty good with responding to DMs. Uh, my phone number's on my website. I take phone calls. Um, I like talking to my clients. I like getting their feedback. I like to make sure that they have a clear understanding of uh, the product they're buying and what they can expect. And um, you know, and then I'm here to I'm here to help them out. It was funny. Um, a gentleman reached out to me and said, "Oh, I'm taking Raul's class February 20th, and I really want an EDC belt for the class." can you have it done by that date? This was like two months ago. So I said, sure, no problem. Um, so I sent him out a belt and then, uh, about a week ago he DM'd me and he goes, man, he goes, I messed up. I, I need one more hole of adjustment. Is there any way I can mail this belt back to you? And then I don't care what it'll cost. If you can overnight it back to me, I just want to have it for Saturday, the, the 20th. And I kind of laughed and I said, hey, I said, I'm going to be in San Diego with Raul Friday. <laughs> so I met your one of your, you know, and he's doing your training. Nice. So um, before we met up today, I met this client in uh, in San Diego and I brought my tools with me and took some measurements and got them all set up. So he's ready to rock tomorrow with his EDC belt. That's awesome, man. So I like to take care of my customers and, you know, just meeting Everybody that's kind of in this group and circle has just been so fun. Yeah, I get I get random feedback too. Uh, my buddy Kit has one. Elsa has one, and they just reach out to me and they're like, "Dude, cool belts!" And awesome. I'm like, "Hell yeah, that dude. makes me feel good." No, it is. Everybody's had everybody who has one has had nothing but good things to say. I like it. My my eight month old likes chewing <laughs> on them, uh, and it's just it's cool, man. It's cool to be a part of an all American made product, handcrafted. Like, 
there's nothing, nothing that compares to something like that because of the value that gets put into it. Like the belt itself is a return of investment, uh, in whatever the person pays for it. And everybody has hard times with paying for stuff. If you pay for something one time, that's worth the price. Mm -hmm. That thing just lives on and you don't have to worry about when am I going to get another belt? It's not even that anymore. It's like this fucking thing is going to live with me till I die. Go for it too. (laughs) I say, man, go for it. Um, one quick bit of advice with leather, um, is if it gets wet, that's not a bad thing, but let it completely dry before you put it back on. Because what happens is if it get like, say you go swimming on accident, which happens every yeah. once in a while, take your belt off, let it dry out really good. It won't stretch. It won't shrink. It won't change shape. But what happens is I've had a couple clients that have ended up on a Saturday night in the pool yeah. with their belt and then it's soaked and then they their pants are heavy and loose and they tighten their belt up. But when it's soaking wet, oh, it will stretch. Yeah. And once it stretches, that's it. That's it. Yeah. But if you just take it off, let it dry, totally dry, you're good to go. It, nice. it won't, it won't, it won't uh, let you down. Yeah. So just take it off and let it dry. Take it off, let it dry. Yeah. I should have done that too. Well, you know, you're fighting in the rain. So, <laughs> you <laughs> There's know, nothing I can do about yeah. it. Uh, Great stuff. Well, thanks again, man, for, for coming out to meet me and for spending time with me today, eating tacos and, <laughs> and talking and then getting, getting this cool leather idea and all of your products out for everybody else to buy. So you got anything else for them? Uh, just thank you for the opportunity. This has just been a blast and I appreciate the community and all the support I've gotten so far. It's just been great. Awesome. All right, folks, you heard it here. We had a great conversation about leather and life and all the cool little things that happen in between. Uh, We'll talk to you soon. Later.